aufpassen. Hey, Summit Church Online, Pastor Wayne here. I'm so glad you're joining us here online. This is your five-minute warning before church. So grab your coffee, a Bible, notebook, and a pen. And hey, do me this favor. On whatever platform you're watching on, we're on, we're on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and Rumble. Whatever platform you're watching on, will you share? It really helps the gospel go to, the, to your extended network of family members and friends and share the good news of Jesus around the world. And so, hey, we're so glad you're along uh, for the ride with us, whether you're here or you're watching from across the country or around the world somewhere. We're so glad you're with Summit Church online today. So this is your five-minute warning, Phil, and we'll see you in five minutes for worship.
members of the team. I got a, a producer back here for our online church. I don't have to keep pressing buttons anymore. Sir, producer Jeremy with Max. So now we have a technical team. Max is not a team of one anymore. So we're glad to have Jeremy on board. Glad that you're joining us today. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to sing This Is Amazing Grace. And let's celebrate the grace and goodness of Jesus.
come meet with your people. May we know that your love is surrounding us and you're helping us and that the scriptures are still true. God, help us not to get lost in the minutia and the details of the worries and cares of this world, but may we just sit, lay all that aside. And we're not going to worship our problems, Lord. We're going to worship you. We're going to put you on the throne of our hearts and we realize that you're bigger than everything we face. So just strengthen us today. Strengthen our church. Speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. I love this one. This song is about miracles, that God can take bad situations and turn them around. It says, you turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. Remember the, the Red Sea? God just turned that into an interstate for the children of Israel. He can take bad situations and turn them around. Amen? Let's, let's sing about it today. Well, I've searched the world. Man's empty praise, the treasures of faith are never enough.
every song Worthy of every song Jesus, the name above every 
I love hearing y'all sing. It sounds so good. Way better than silence for 10 years in this room, right? Come on, somebody, right? Awesome. Well, this week was Veterans Day week, and I we I wanted a veteran to come and give us the one-year Bible and, and say a special prayer. So why don't you be seated? My friend Ryan Williams is going to come up and and share a little bit, and then from the one-year Bible and just some of the thoughts and prayers that are on his heart. So come on up, Ryan. And this this mic is for the podcast, so kind of be close to that if you can for some people online too. You bet. You wanna? I'll give you this mic. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Wayne. You got it. Can everybody hear me? Yes. Well, hello, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> I'm going to read from Psalms 111, 2 and 3. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. Psalms 111, 2 and 3 reminds us to praise God. We praise God for his works in his past and the way he works right now and for what he will do in your future. The great works of the Lord may delight in him. And what this means to me is that the deeds of the majesty of the Lord's way, he called me to serve in the Marine Corps. Without fear, he gave me purpose in my life and direction. And now, again, I'm of service again serving for his spiritual army. That's right. How grateful am I for his grace and guidance. Amen. <clears throat> Verse 3 teaches me that the righteousness of the Lord is forever. As long as I stay true to the commitment to follow his holy word and stand beside him, my life will prosper in his glory. <clears throat> now I'm going to please ask you all to bow your head with me as we pray for our veterans. Dear Lord, today we honor our veterans, worthy men and women who gave their best when they were called to serve and protect this country. We pray that you continue to bless them and guide them for their unselfish service and their continual struggle for our freedoms and safety and this country's heritage for all of us. Bless them, Lord, abundantly for the hardships that they face, the sacrifices they made, and for the many contributions to America's victories over tyranny and oppression. Excuse me. <clears throat> we thank you, Lord, for the protection and comfort that you gave their loved ones while they were away from them. We respect them for their commitment that they've made. We honor them. We are proud to have these men and women of their statue amongst us when they return home from service. We come together and ask, Lord, that you help them overcome their demons that plague their minds, to replace the feeling of not being valued or heard, that your love is for all your children, and we are stronger in numbers and prayer and action. Thank you, Lord, for directing me, giving me a purpose that it was meant to serve and keeping me safe and giving me this calling to spread your holy word. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for your service. Thank you for everyone who served, whether in the room or watching or listening online today. Our freedoms are owed to you. We are 
so thankful. Didn't Ryan do a nice job? Well, we're going to sing out the beautiful name of Jesus. You were the word.
than a touchdown in your life, I'm telling you that for sure. Glad you came today. I hope you get something out of this. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12, one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. So grab your Bible, turn there, and before you sit down, would you find someone to say hello to, give them some knuckles or a high five or a hug? If you're online, greet somebody, and we'll get started with the word in just a couple minutes. happening here in the life of our church. Can you believe it? Starlighting is next Saturday. Downtown Castle Rock is when the lighting of the star happens, and we are going to be... What's that, Chris? Yeah, we've seen it a thousand times. We see it every Christmas. It's part of the tradition around here. So we are going to be having a booth at Starlighting. It's okay, guys. I have a Bible. I'll figure it out. If, we, if I forgot my Bible, my preaching Bible, I think, is on my desk at the house. But thankfully, I did study, and I have a Bible, so I'll just reconstruct my sermon on the fly. Not the first time. I've had to be instant, in season, and out of season, like the Bible says. But uh, this Saturday, we're going to be having a booth at Starlighting right in front of Bogies West across from the backyard, if you know what I'm talking about, kind of downtown. And uh, last year, we had Santa. Santa! Uh, we, did you know Santa comes to this church? He actually comes to this church. The real Santa. He knows he's real. Pulling his beard? It's a real beard. He really is Santa. And to sit on his lap, we had a line going across the street and down the block last year. It'll sort of be the same this year. And I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to be sharing uh, the gospel color bracelets like I did with the Jesus Taxi booth last summer. And instead of the gold bead, we're going to have little gold stars. 
and remind people, hey, you know what that star represents? Represents that one day God is preparing a home for us beyond the stars. Christ was born under that first star in Bethlehem, and we have a home forever in heaven if we'll put our trust in Christ. And so it's a great opportunity for hours and hours and hours to preach the gospel to our entire town. They just let us come for free and tell people about the love of Jesus for hours at a time. Could you believe that they just let us do that? We just get to be on the streets and just telling people about Jesus. It's amazing. We just get to do that. Right? Isn't that something? What a privilege. What an honor. So I am, I am preaching without my notes, which is going to be really weird. But it's okay. It's okay. Um, God knew that I'd forget my Bible on my, on my desk. And maybe this is by design. Maybe it's supposed to be this way today. So I'm going to open here in, for Romans chapter 12. Other couple dates before we get into that. We are doing the red kettle ringing, bell ringing for Salvation Army this season as well. And uh, we do live music at the Red Kettle. Some, sometimes we do some acoustic stuff. If you want to ring the bell for Salvation Army, let me know, and I will get you on the schedule to sign up to do that. It's a beautiful thing to do. Our assigned spot this holiday season is Hobby Lobby on the promenade in Castle Rock. So it's a great spot. I love Hobby Lobby. It's a Christian-owned company. They're closed on Sundays, just like Chick-fil-A. Uh, they run their, their, their business on Christian principles, and that's wonderful. So the days that we are ringing, scheduled to ring, are the Saturdays of November 26th, so the Saturday after this next one, and then the two Saturdays of December 10th and 17th, and it's going to be 10 a.m. to noon on those Saturdays at Hobby Lobby. So if you want to come and ring the bell for an hour or sing along with us as we sing, you can do that. Or if you want to do another day of the week, another time, let me know, and I'll show you how to get signed up for it. And I tell you what, there's something really special about just standing there at the door of King Supers and going, Merry Christmas, Merry Christy Christmas, Merry Jesus Miss, everybody. <laughs> right? You go, oh, wait a second. This, oh, yeah, this is about Christ. This is about Jesus. Christmas is not about stuff. It's about God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus was God's first Christmas gift. The first and best Christmas gift. And so I love that about Christmas. And everybody knows there's something special about it. They're like, culture just changes. People just get a little kinder, a little nicer, a little gentler. Except on Black Friday, but just don't, just don't, shop, just don't shop on that day. Just stay away from the mall. And then we are going to be doing a Christmas Eve service, and Christmas Eve falls on a Saturday this year. So rather than church within 12 hours apart, because if it falls on a Thursday, then we'll do a candlelight, and then we'll do Christ, we'll church the next day. Because it falls on a Saturday, we're just going to do Christmas Eve at 5 p.m. And I checked the farmer's almanac. Sunset is at 4.57 on Christmas Eve, okay? <laughs> so it'll be just, the sun will be setting, and then it'll get dark during the service, and then we'll light the candles for silent night at the end for our candlelight service in this beautiful little room where we just worship God and sing Christmas carols, and then we do a cookie exchange downstairs. And I always do a giant gingerbread of some sort every Christmas. I'm doing a gingerbread motorcycle. I'm doing a three-quarter size gingerbread motorcycle this year, so it's going to be nuts. If you want anybody want to help me with gingerbread, I'll take assistance on that too. But let's get into the word here today, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, one of my favorite chapters of all time in the Bible. And um, 
Here's what Paul says. In fact, this is the highlighted verse in my one-year Bible for July 29th. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Let me read that one more time because it might go past you. You might miss it. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. See, Jesus gave himself for us. He asks us to give up ourselves for him. Let them be, let your bodies, let your life be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. See, God wants to take your old dead heart, your old dead life, and turn it into something brand new. Paul said in another place that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. <laughs> right? We don't do that. He does that. But he won't do it against our will. We have to surrender and say, God, take my old life. Take the garbage. Take my past. Take my sins. Take my failures. Take all of me. And turn me into who you want me to be. Take the old heart and give me a new one. And I love him. He says, one of, my, one of my Bible college professors used to say, the trouble with living sacrifices is that they always have a tendency to crawl off the altar. <laughs> have you ever noticed? When you're a living sacrifice, suddenly you don't want to do it anymore. Wait a second. I said I surrender all, but maybe not all of me wants to surrender all. You realize you still have a sin nature inside of you that's still the flesh is still battling against the spirit. Have you ever noticed that? The old man wants to creep up. The old dead guy wants to come back. The zombie version of yourself is keeps going, ah, wouldn't it be fun to do this? You're like, no, I gotta crucify that guy. I'm gonna sacrifice him so that I can live to Christ. And so we, we are living with this dichotomy of an old sin nature. We're living with this sin struggle in the world we live in. And how many know you're going you're gonna to have that struggle till the moment you die, right? Because it's called the flesh. You can't cast out the flesh, right? <laughs> you can't. You can't like, oh, I just want to be a spirit now. I just want to float around and be a spirit. Well, you'll be dead and in heaven if you're just a spirit, right? No, you, you have to live the life that God wants you to live while you're living in this body. So that means crucifying the flesh, waging war against my old carnal and sinful desires. And if Jesus is in charge, then Jesus gets to call the shots. I'm a, I'm a living sacrifice. Yet my flesh wants to crawl off the altar. <laughs> I want to do my own thing. And yet God has something far better for me, something far better for you. If we'll just say, okay, Lord, I surrender again today, Lord, I rededicate myself to you. I say, Lord, please, I know I gave you all of me before, but today again, I crucify the old man. I live to Christ. Paul said, I die daily. I crucify that old guy every day because the old dead guy wants to come back every day. Have you noticed? want to be grumpy I want to be but it's want to be grumpy can I be grumpy for a minute can I just complain well you can but is it really going to do you any good 
Does complaining really help? Well, it might make you immediately feel like sorry for yourself and you get some pity points from people. But does that really help you? Not really. No, it's like, it's like a festering wound that you won't let it heal. So you say, God, help me to die to the old self. I want Christ to live on the inside of me. Be a living sacrifice. Verse 2. Man, I love this. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, sanctification, discipleship, Jesus, is an inside job. See, a lot of Christians think, I just fix the outside, <laughs> right? I'll just, I'll just put on a good face, right? I'll act like a Christian. But inside are dead men's bones, inside you're judgmental, inside you're hateful, you're mean-spirited, you can't forgive people. Come on, you ever met mean Christians? You ever met a mean Christian? Ever been to a mean church? Yeah, they exist. Hello? That's people who are trying through their own selfish, self-righteousness to Im impose some kind of plastic facade, fake holiness that doesn't come from the inside. It comes from man's dead works. And Jesus really hated that kind of thing. In fact, if Jesus had any kind of trouble with anyone, like if you see him fight with anybody, you know who he was fighting with the most? The religious people. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and all those guys were walking around. I am so holy. Ding dong. Look, look how much he gave in the offering. Whoa. Here comes Reb Hansen putting money in the box. Oh. No. That kind of righteousness, Paul said, is filthy rags. God sat and goes, ew. Gross. Don't have a righteousness of your own. Be clothed with the righteousness that comes from Christ. Be clothed with the righteousness that comes by the Holy Spirit, by faith in God. Not through your own effort, but by worship, by love, by surrendering to let God have his way. Are you going to do that perfectly? No, because you're a human being, <laughs> right? But God is perfect. And because he's perfect, he is working out his perfection in us. And we're becoming conformed more and more to the nature of his, of his way. And that's what verse 2 is saying. Don't copy the behavior and the customs, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. It's an inside job. God starts from the inside. And when your desires begin to change, your thought processes begin to change. The way you look at the world, you start to look at the world the way God looks at the world. You begin to love people the way God loves people. You begin to accept them the way God accepts them. You're not involved with all these controversies and judging people. You're like, no, I got too much stuff on my own to be pointing fingers at other people. I'm going to work on me. I'm going to work on you. When you let him take care of you, then suddenly he gives you a compassion, gives you a heart for other people. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Verse 3, verse 3 of Romans 12. Because of the privilege and the authority that God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluations of yourselves. 
measuring ourselves by the faith that God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. It's a beautiful picture of what the church is. Each of us have a function. Each of us have giftings. Each of us have a different calling. And you're not me. And thank God for that. Right? Because if we are all the same, how boring would that be? And God is not looking for cookie-cutter Christians. He's not looking just for white people to be Christians. He's not looking just for black folks. He's not looking for rich people. He's not just looking for any kind of people. He wants all people to come to himself. He needs all shapes and sizes, all different perspectives, all income levels, all education strata. You think about all the different kinds of people in the world, God loves them all. God loves the whole world. And he has a plan for every person. And he wants every person come to the saving knowledge of, of Christ and they use their gifts for him in their king in the kingdom. And I, I love I love how God does it, man. I, I, I think about just you know the, the many hats that I've worn in planting this church. I was a youth pastor for years and years, and that probably helped me as a church planter because I'm I'm like I'm packed with energy, you might have noticed. Some of that hasn't changed. Some of that's caffeine, some of that's adrenaline. <laughs> Some, some Southerners call me high strung. Okay, I'm just one of those kind of people. I'm, zzz, I'm, I'm, there's, if you could listen to the noise inside of my head, it's just a constant buzzing noise. It's like a, zzz, zzz, like a Tesla coil. It's like. So thank God you didn't have to live on the side of my head, right? But God gave me a, a, an energy to do what I do and the ability, a talent to do a lot of different stuff. And one thing that God has kind of revealed to me down through the years is, yeah, I mean, you can do a lot of stuff. We're not calling you to do all the stuff. I have a very specific calling for you. <laughs> I want you to do the stuff I'm telling you to do. Stop trying to do everything and just do the needed thing. Just do the thing that I'm calling you to do today. What do I need from you today? That's why I have to seek the Lord in prayer and meditation. Say, Father... What is it today? Because I can go in a hundred directions and not accomplish anything, or I can do a few things really well and really go far. Again, I'm so excited to have Jeremy back there running our online streaming today. I feel I told him at the beginning before we started, like I feel like a third of what I do on a Sunday morning is taken off of me because I'm always pushing buttons over here, like hey everybody, and I'm doing like an online church, and now I got a guy. I got a guy back there who's got gifts. And Jeremy knows how to push all the buttons and make the cameras work and do the online. I'm like, hey, whew, I can just be a pastor. I can just preach and lead worship up here. Wow. <laughs> Thank God that people have gifts. And when they step into their calling or their giftedness, it takes weight off other people who may be playing left-handed. Like, I, it's one more thing. I, wow. Can I take it off? Oh, thank you, God. You have people. God has people. He has people that he wants to use to take the weight off of you, to make things go better, to make things go smoother, to make things go easier. Look what Ryan was talking about, leadership. Every army, not everyone in the army does every job, right? You have different specialized jobs for every person in the platoon. 
do, right? You gotta cook. <laughs> you gotta scout. You gotta drill sergeant. You got you got all you got intelligence people. You got all kinds of different people in the military because there's all kinds of jobs that need to get done. Well, you find people who are gifted at those certain things and you set them free to do what they do. And that's how an army is successful. It's how a church is successful. A church in the congregation. And then release people in their passions and their calling to do what God has called them to do. And then the pastor doesn't do it, out, don't, don't do it all. It isn't my job to, to do everything. It, the, the job of the pastor is to, add, to administrate, to equip the people for the work of the ministry. So yes, I do ministry, but my greatest ministry is equipping you is empowering you to do what you are called to do. That's my greatest calling. And even though I can preach, I can lead worship, I can do other things, I can run a podcast, and I can blah, 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 and all this and this. I'm not called to do everything. Really what I'm called to do is just pastor. I'm called to be the pastor. I'm called to love you. I'm called to be a leader. I'm called to, to, to call the greatness out of you so that your gifts be used to their max capacity for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. I think this church is get, just getting started. I really do. In this location, yeah, we've had some hiccups. Yeah, we get some roadblocks. There's some things that drive me nuts, but you know what? It beats setting up and tearing down at the high school every Sunday. It really... It's nice to have a church home. It's nice to have a place where we can pull up and go, that's my church. A building I can point to. That's my church. That's amazing. That's amazing. I remember when Summit Church of Castle Rock was this big P.O. box at the UPS store. It was this big. <laughs> Aren't you glad we got bigger? We got bigger than that. We're going to get bigger than that, too. God's got more people for us to reach. There's more for us to do. And I need everyone to bring all of their gifts to the table, that the many parts of the body would serve in their areas of giftedness and calling to do what God has called us to do so this church can be what it's called to be. Yeah. Amen? Amen? I'm excited about that. I'm really excited about that. Let's keep going. Verse 6. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. This is a further admonishment on the same, along the same lines. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is, a, is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. It is, if it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't, I love this, this is so practical. This is so good. Verse 9, don't just pretend to love others. It's like Paul had been to a church before. It's like he went to a religious place before. Don't just pretend to love pretending to like you. Oh, God bless you. Right? As soon as you're gone. Right? No, no. Don't, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. <laughs> Don't you love that? Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. 
Now there's my verse right there. The enthusiasm. Why are you so excited? Because I love Jesus. <laughs> because he died for me. Because he's filled me with his spirit. Because I know I'm supposed to do something for him. That's why I'm excited. There's something about enthusiasm that's contagious. Right? When you're around someone who's excited, suddenly you go, oh yeah. Oh yeah, I think, yeah, I think that guy's right. I think so. Maybe that's true. I think it is true. Yeah, come on, man. Right? But you weren't excited until you met that person. Because it's infectious. Enthusiasm is contagious. You get around excited people, you get excited. You get around happy people, you're going to get happy. When you get around people who are getting healed, you might get healed. You get in a faith-filled environment, suddenly your faith begins to grow. Come on. Right? So start surrounding yourself with faith-filled, passion-loving, Jesus-following, worshipful, People who are in love with the Bible, right? Surround yourself with people like that. And guess what? You're going to be a person like that. They'll be like, wow, what got into you? I don't know, man. Just started going to Summit Church. Those people are crazy for Jesus. They are nuts. Like they just, they just really read their Bibles. They actually, they know they actually read their Bible. They read it every day and they actually believe what's in there. And they're actually doing it. Right? They, no, they're not like other Christians that I've talked. No, these they have, they're really the real deal. Come on. Don't you want that to be out of the reputation of our church? People are like, man, there's something different about that church. There's a fire in that church. People are excited about God in that church. People really read their Bibles. They really love you there. They don't care who you are, where you came from, or what you look like. Come on. That's contagious. Because people are longing for love. People are longing for acceptance. They're just dying for genuine relationships. That's what's going on with social media right now. People are just reaching out, hoping for some authenticity, and they can't find it anywhere. Because you're not going to find it online. I love you online, church. But you need to get here in person or go to a local church, wherever you're watching this from, and get some people with, with Jesus with skin on. Some people who can give you a hug. Some people who can get in your face and say, hey, you ought to probably stop doing that. You need some people who, who care enough to tell you the hard thing. People who you, you can trust your secrets with. Someone who can, you can tell everything to, and they're not going to use it against you. Come on, right? If we can be that kind of church, this county will not know what hit it. I'm telling you. Ooh, you feel that? the Holy Spirit, man. I'm getting all Pentecostal. <laughs> Thank you, Maria. Hallelujah. Verse 9. <laughs> Never. Okay, verse 8. Work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Verse 12. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Can't tell you how many small groups and ministries started out of the basement of my house. How many of the most powerful Bible studies and small groups happen in your homes. I love church buildings, but even what's more powerful is we sit down in each other's couches and living rooms and we talk about the Lord. Right? We get encouragement for each other. We open one another's home. We serve each other. There's something powerful. Powerful, powerful about that. Verse 14. 
Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Whoo, man, you guess he'd been to Rome, the center of the universe back then. Rome was like New York City. It was the entertainment capital of the world. It was the financial capital of the world. All, all roads led to Rome. And by the way, in Europe, in many ways, all roads still lead to Rome. <laughs> you, get to, you go to Rome, and all the railroad tracks, they come to a stop. <laughs> There's no other place you got to go. All the trains end right there in downtown Rome, right, right where it all got started. And we, the same is true. We, in, we have some very high-minded people in America. They think they're too big for some things. They're too big to serve other people. They, they have a celebrity mindset. Like, I'm too, I'm too good for that. I'm sorry. I'm, uh, I'm grown past that. That's not my gift. Come on. You ever heard of people like that? They're too good to, to hang out with ordinary people. They, they'll pretend that they're perfect. Come on. God's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for submitted people. He's looking for people who are surrendered. Because surrendered people use. People who think they're perfect, <laughs> what, what can I do for you? Nothing. I can't do anything for you. And God's saying the same thing to you. You think you're perfect? Well, I guess you don't need me then. Hmm. Humility, so important. Such a vital part of the Christian life. So we have to be willing to hang out with ordinary people and don't think we know it all. Always have a learn. I call that a teachable spirit. When I look for people in ministry, whether it's in worship ministry or in youth ministry, children's ministry, small group leadership, uh, you know, in, in just the context of any kind of church work, I always look for people who are humble. I want people who are gifted, no doubt about it. I want people who are good at what they do. But more than that, I want people who are teachable. Who are like, you know, they can receive correction without getting offended. Hey, it was good, but you know what would have made it better? Yeah, I think that was awesome, but you know, here's what we could have done to tweak it and make it even better. And a person like the, who's high-minded goes, well, how dare you tell me, because I was my better. Well, okay, we'll do it your way then. But somebody said, you know what? I think you're probably right on some of that. Now, you don't have to receive everything I, that I say or someone else says as a word of correction, but if there's any truth to it, Take the truth part and say, okay. But like what I've said before in a small group that we talked about a few weeks ago, eat the chicken, spit out the bones, right? Some of it is not for you. Some of it you don't receive it. Somebody's like, well, that's not what? But some of it's true. Some of the true part, when you go, oh yeah, oh yeah, okay, that's true. I'm gonna take, on, I'm gonna take that on. I'm gonna learn from that. Be humble enough. I'm gonna be teachable enough to grow in that area. Become the person that God wants me to be. I'd be so high-minded that I can't be teachable. I learned this by being a follower first. Before I was a pastor, I was a youth pastor. And before that, I was a, a, a youth worship leader. I was a volunteer. <laughs> before that, I was, I was a sound man. <laughs> before that, I was just a dude walking in the back of the church. <laughs> right? Before that, <laughs> well... Before that, I was a dope-smoking photographer at the high school. That's <laughs> Come on, somebody. You all start, right? <laughs> we all start somewhere. 
And God takes us from glory to glory. As we grow, as we just get discipled, we become more and more like Jesus. The more we keep saying yes, the more he can strengthen us and disciple us and make us into the people that he wants us to be. Amen? Amen. Verse 17, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, this is God speaking, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. And you know if God takes revenge? It's way worse than anything you would have thought of. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them some. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. God can take your old dead heart and by surrendering that to him, turn you into a brand new person by changing the way you think. And how do you, how do you get rid of evil? By focusing on evil and trying to get rid of it? No. <laughs> you conquer evil by doing good. When, when, I, when, I, when I became a Christian, I started getting busy doing everything. I, like, I'm too busy to sin. I got Bible studies to lead. I got worship to lead. I got young people to have over. I got, I'm too busy to be sinning. I, I don't have time for that right now, right? I stay busy in the kingdom of God, doing the things he's called you to do, and the, I'll, you'll find that the temptations that you used to have will start to fade away. And it won't be so hard to say no to sin because you're busy about the master's business. <laughs> Amen. Um, I wonder for you guys, on the back of the info center, there's a little rubber co colors, gospel color strip, that we, the little patch over there by the CDs on the top. I want to talk you through the gospel colors. Some of you, if you come to Starlighting with, with us this next Saturday afternoon, and it is going to be a cold day, by the way, so dress warm, double socks, scarf, long johns, thick coat, it's going to be cold. It's supposed to be 32 degrees as a high that day and a low of 4 degrees predicted for Saturday. So, but we're, yeah, on the little rubber strip with the colors on it, top right shelf by the CD. There you go. I want to walk you through the gospel colors. Now, Al and I did this at the Jesus Taxi booth uh, at the, the God and Country Music Festival and, and all that stuff. And we gave out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these gospel bracelets with the gospel colors. How many of you ever seen the gospel colors before? I want, to, well, I want to talk you through this. For those of you who are online or if you're here, you've never heard the gospel this way. It's so simple. What does black represent? Well, black represents sin. Sin, what is sin? It's falling short. It's all the bad things that we've done. It's all the good that we leave out left undone. Like we know we should do it, but we didn't do it. Right? It's all the stuff that separates us from God. It's the stuff that makes us feel guilty. And we are guilty because the Bible in the Old Testament points out commandments. We're like, I've broken a lot of those. Yeah, me too. I've fallen short. And sin does separate me from God. I, I feel that guilt. I feel that separation. But Jesus came. The next square is a red square. He came and shed his perfect blood. See, the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Only blood can atone for bad deeds. 
In the Old Testament, it was through the blood of sheep and goats and rams and doves and bulls and all these. It was a very bloody business getting your sins covered. But God said, how about I give you my one and only son, Jesus, who shed his perfect blood once for all time, past, present, and future, to be the atoning sacrifice for sin. Isn't that beautiful? Because of his blood, our sins are covered. But even more than that, get to the white square. Not only does his blood cover our sin, it removes the stain of our guilt. We are justified because of the blood. Because of what Jesus has done and, and because of what he has paid on our behalf, it's not just covering up the bad thing, it's totally taking it away in God's eyes. God looks at you and he doesn't see you anymore. He sees the righteousness of God in Christ in you. <laughs> and so he goes, I see my son in you. I see his righteousness because of your faith, which is the blue square. Because this stuff doesn't happen automatically. You know that, right? God's not going to make you do anything you don't want to do. So you'll be, well, he just died, and so I'm just forgiven. Are you? If you don't receive him by faith, you have to exercise your faith. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For if anyone would come to God, he must first believe that he is, that he exists, and then he's a rewarder of those who seek him. So it doesn't happen automatically. It happens by faith, the blue, the true blue belief, that faithful trust in Christ is what appropriates that sacrifice on my behalf. Now, when I make that, it's a conversion experience. When I put my faith in Jesus, I've, I've signed on to new ownership. <laughs> I've signed the deed of my life over in the blood of Jesus to the kingdom of God. I don't belong to me anymore. The devil has no claim on me anymore. The devil can't do anything to me anymore. I don't belong to the devil anymore. I don't belong to this world anymore. I belong to Jesus. I belong to heaven. He's made a way because of the simple faith and trust. I've been adopted into his family. And Jesus said, you must be born again. That, that transaction brings about the grace, which is new life. Suddenly, I get the life of God implanted inside of me. His spirit comes in me. I become a disciple of Christ. The things I used to want to do, I don't want to do them anymore. Suddenly, I have a new desire. I want to do what God wants me to do. I don't want to do that old stuff anymore. No, it's a battle sometimes, right? I have good days and bad days, but every day is a good day to surrender. Every day is a good day to go back and go, oh yeah, God, I belong to you. I'm not on the devil's team anymore. And I begin to grow. I grow in my knowledge of God. I grow in faith. I grow in my, my talents and abilities. I grow in the knowledge of who he is and what I'm supposed to do in my calling as I seek God. And that brings me to the gold square. And uh, next Saturday, we'll have little gold stars. <laughs> Representing the star, the star lighting. Because we'll have a home forever in heaven. Streets paved with gold. A home beyond the stars. That God says, not only do you get a, a new relationship with me, not only do you get a friendship with me in this life, not only do you get the blessings of knowing me in this life, but you get a forever home with me in heaven. <laughs> there is an afterlife, and it's going to be good for the believer. Not so good 
for the non-believer, <laughs> really important that you nail that one down, that you put your trust in Christ. Well, if you haven't done that, you probably know it. Like, I, I don't think I ever did that. I don't think I ever actually turned my life over. I don't think I ever really surrendered. I've kind of been doing my own thing for a really long time. It's okay. It's not too late. You can do it right now. You can say yes to Jesus right now. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes here today? I think there's some folks here that are ready to make that decision right now. Maybe you're online today watching or listening and you'd say, that's me. I need to say yes to Jesus. I need to turn my life over. I need to surrender. Would you slip your hand up today and say, that's me. I, today is my day. I need to surrender. I need to say yes to Jesus. I need to commit my life to him. Have him forgive me of my sin. Just put it in the comment section if you're online or in the room. Raise your hand. Church, let's pray this prayer of salvation commitment to, to Christ. Loud and proud, say this. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. Please come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Be the Lord of my life. I want to follow you, Jesus. From this moment forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, it's so good having you here in the house here today. It's a good, sweet time of worship. I have one more song I wanted to sing as sort of a benediction. And it's sort of my prayer here for you today. And it's give you my heart, I give you my soul, I live for you alone. I hope that this is your prayer today. Sing 
and give you his peace. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Stay free, everybody. Have a great weekend. Every day we ask so many questions. What should I wear? What's the weather going to be like? How am I going to fit everything?